Before we get started with this week's episode, I just want to give a quick shout out to the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. For match day edits, polls, competitions, and more, be sure to check out We Are Southampton on Instagram. Matt, who runs the page, did the logo for this show. He's been a guest and a supporter since day one. So head on over to Instagram, check out We Are Southampton. The link is in the show notes if you need it. And now, here's the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markstone. I'm the host of the show. And whether you are a new or returning listener, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We have a special episode this week. Episode 20 at the end of last season, we kind of talked to a bunch of people from different places around the world, different Saints fans, to get a kind of a handle on what everybody made of the season and uh, decided on this international break at the end of the transfer window to go ahead and do that again, looking back on the transfer window. So what we've done is we've gone out and we've talked to five different people, uh, some you'll recognize, some some you've never heard of. Um, and what we'll do is we can just ask them to grade the club's transfer business, to give them a grade A through F, and and then explain kind of what went into that decision and and, and why they feel that way. Uh, and we'll ask some follow-up questions along the way. And um, I just want to give a, a special thank you to everybody who participated, everybody who agreed to, to give me their time and, and talk with me. Um, it's hard to do. It's hard to coordinate. It's hard to uh, condense some of these uh, topics down to uh, a manageable amount of time so that we're not listening to a, you know, a five and a half hour podcast. Um, and special thanks to those people who tried to make it work and we just couldn't quite work it out. Uh, we'll, we'll get you on the show at some point if you are still interested. So um, I'd like to thank everybody for that and thank you for listening. And I really hope that you enjoy it. And to get started, we're going to go ahead and start in Australia. We'll just go kind of in order of recording because sometimes I kind of build back uh, on, on previous comments. So uh, we're going to go uh, down under, down to, to Scott Shenton in Australia, in Perth, Western Australia. Um He's not on Twitter, but you can find him on Facebook. You can look him up. He's in all the Southampton uh, kind of groups. And uh, we'll hear his story and, and what he made of the transfer window. So uh, we'd like to welcome Scott Shenton to the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Welcome, Scott. Thanks. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's great to be here and great to great to be talking to you. And we, we've we been communicating via email for, I, I guess, a month or two, just talking about, yeah. about the podcast and, and stuff. And uh, so this seemed like a pretty good opportunity. You, I've never haven't had anybody from Australia on the podcast, so kind of nice to, to to talk to you and but you have a kind of a connection with the saints and so do you mind telling us a little bit about that before we get into the the transfer window stuff yeah sure um so i've been a saints fan all my life because my uh, my father uh, was a saints fan uh, he was uh, born in godalming and guildford in the uk and he spent a lot of time living on the isle of Wight and would catch the ferry over for saints matches so he's always been a saints fan and um i sort of uh, had no choice but to be interested in it and I guess the uh, when I was sort of at the age of getting interested in soccer and knowing more about it sort of seven eight nine was around the time that Matt Letizio was playing for the Saints and he was scoring worldies every week and it was hard not to not to be excited by watching him and um, 
he was certainly my hero growing up as a kid and his his loyalty to Southampton wasn't lost on me even though I was a young kid I, I realized how important he was to us and that if he ever left I mean he basically single-handedly kept us up from relegation year after year and um, he, I know that he could have taken bigger offers from other clubs but he stayed loyal to the Saints and kept us up and you know, I'll always be grateful for, for to him for that. And um, I was lucky enough that um, he came to Perth quite a few years ago. Um, he was caddying for a, a golfer in a golf tournament over here, and, and he did a, uh, a speaking evening and uh, did a question and answer night. And I got to meet him, and I got to tell him uh, how grateful I was that he stayed loyal to us. And um, he was very, very humble and very generous with his time. And he was, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome to to be able to meet him. And um, through that evening, um, also met a famous Saints winger from the 60s and 70s, John Sydenham, who happened to live in Perth. Um, and he happened to be my dad's hero when he was a kid. And uh, we made friends with John. And um, he was kind enough to uh, to give me a few contacts. And um, I moved to the UK in 2004 for a year or so. And uh, being able to mention John's name in Southampton opened a lot of doors for me. I was able to... <laughs> I was able to get into uh, training sessions and, and got to do tours of St. Mary's and meet players and things like that. And um, so that's that's my connection with Saints. I'm just a, a massive fan and I feel a bit of a fraud being on here because uh, I don't write for Reed, Reed Southampton or I don't have a <laughs> podcast or a blog or anything like that. Um, I'm just a big fan and um, I watch the games every week and um, I follow closely on the internet and... Um, there's not many Saints fans in, in WA. There's about 30 of us, and uh, I see them occasionally at the, at the pub. I see somebody wearing a Saints shirt and get to talk to them. But other than that, it's just talking to my dad about Saints. So it's it's great to be on your podcast uh, talking to you about them today. We've been talking for a while before we started recording, and it's it's been <laughs> it's been wonderful. So I appreciate you you know taking the time to do that. Um, yeah, no problem. And, and just so I have a, a little bit of reference, how you say there's about 30 people in WA. So how how big is that? So there's there's two million people that live in Western Australia, um, yeah, and there's about uh, I guess one one and a half live in the in the CBD, and there's probably half a million to uh, I guess half a million that probably live in sort of rural Western Australia because it's quite a big state. Okay. Um, and and there's thirty of us, and we have a small Facebook page. Um, so if people are going to the pub, they they post on there and and. People can know where they're going to be if they want to meet up with other Saints fans to watch the match. But other than that, you know, I wear my Saints jerseys out and hope that occasionally, and, and it happens occasionally, that someone will um, see it and, and come up and, and say that they're a Saints fan and, and talk Saints, which is um, nice, but it's quite rare. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I, I know your pain a little bit. <laughs> but on this week's episode, we're kind of talking, looking back at the transfer window. It's it's closed everywhere, including uh, Australia. Um, so we're kind of looking back on on the clubs, kind of just on their overall kind of dealings this summer, both in terms of who went out, who came in. Give me a grade like A B C D F, and I, I'm a teacher, so I think that works. And then kind of just explain uh, why why you you think that. So what's your looking back on the transfer window kind of what's your what's your take on on how the board and how the club did as a whole it was a funny transfer season it 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 felt like we were in the news every day but not much was happening overall i reckon 
I would give us a B plus for our transfer and as window, and and I think a lot of people would probably think that was quite high. But at the beginning of this transfer season, my main objective was to keep Virgil. That was the thing that I wanted more than anything, and I thought that was the thing that was most important because um, a because he's our best player, he's very good. We probably can't get a comparable player uh, than him to come play for us. Um, and the fact is he was on such a long contract that if we sold him next year, we would probably get the same transfer, if not more. So there was really no point selling him. It was almost like having a free hit to have him for this season, um, and I think the board made that decision early, and I think that uh, with uh, with Les Reed and Ralph coming out early and saying they weren't going to sell him, and then I believe that they sold the manager uh, when they when they were signing Pellegrino up that they wouldn't sell Virgil. Um, I think they felt that they had to keep to their word, regardless of Virgil throwing the toys out of the pram. I think they had to um, they had to keep him, and I was very impressed with the way they handled it. I think we needed to sort of grow up as a club and draw a line in the sand and say, you know, we're not going to get bullied by these big teams. Um, we're not going to be a selling club. We're going to keep our good players if we want to and, and sell them on our terms. And I think it was really important that we did that because I think a lot of teams saw us as an easy target. And uh, I give full credit to, to Les and the board for standing strong. It wasn't easy, I suspect. Um, they were under all kinds of pressure. And um, they held firm, like they said they would the whole time. And uh, whether Virgil plays or not, from here on, I think it was for the betterment of the club going on from here, to be honest. So that's the reason I give a B. The reason I wouldn't give any higher than that is because I probably would have liked a stri- an, an extra striker or a, a number 10 to come in. Um, but the other reason I give a B is because we were able to sign uh, players from Juventus and Lazio, which... You know, five, ten years ago, I could never have dreamed that we would be buying players from big clubs like that, um, good players, um, and they were players that were better than what we already had in those positions, and we were able to buy them for, for decent fees. You know, we, we, we haven't overspent. I mean, I think both of them, we really got a bargain, to be honest with you, with Lamina and Hoyt. Um, you know, if Johnny Evans is being valued at thirty million, mm-hmm. to, to get someone of the quality of Hoyt for thirteen to fifteen million is just a bargain. So Les, you know, it, it, people criticise him, but he's uh, he's done a good job in that sense, and he and he's managed to find bargains where other teams haven't seen them. And I mean, people like Sadio Mane, you know, nobody'd heard of him, and 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 somehow Les pulled him at a out of the Bundesliga for ten million, and we were able to sell him for thirty-five. Uh-huh. And 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 you know he's an absolute gun for Liverpool now. That's a shame we had to let him go, but you know that that's kind of the way our club's going to have to operate now because we just don't have the money uh, to invest uh, vast amounts and spend huge amounts on on salaries. We want to we want to run as a business. And um, I think that's the way that they sort of have to go is to try and find these gems. And I think they've done that with the ones that they've bought, to be honest. I think Bednarak could be good in the future. He's got a good background. He looks like he's a good size. So overall, to be honest, apart from the striker and, and, and the number 10, um, I've been happy. 
my only concern with the transfer window is that because of that, if Gabbiadini happened to get a long-term injury, uh-huh. it's hard to know where the goals would come from. Um, ideally, what we want to do is somehow find a scientist that could meld Charlie Austin and Shane Long into one player. <laughs> and you could, you, that would be perfect for us. I think if we could have you know, Shane Long's athleticism and speed combined with Charlie's finishing, we'd have a very good player on our hands. But unfortunately, at the moment, they're two different players and um, Charlie seems a little bit slow at times and, and Shane's finishing isn't the best. So uh, Gabbiadini, even if he stays fit, isn't going to be able to score the goals on his own. He's going to need some help from midfield. And um, so players that, players like Redmond and Buffel are probably going to have to lift their ratings slightly and um, starts knocking some in the net, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? <laughs> uh, I, I think I think that's a fair assessment. I think that, you know, kind of at the very beginning of the window, the board, at least publicly, never wavered in their stance on VVD and whatever happened behind closed doors if they were, you know, as far as I know, no you know, no offer ever came in. So there really wasn't anything yeah. to, to discuss. It was just dealing with, dealing with him and trying to get him kind of on board. And now they're saying that as of, I think on Monday, he'll be back in, in training and and we'll be kind of going forward. So hopefully that that's the case. And, you know, for the entire time that I've kind of been following the team, we have been the team that has sold our, our all of our best players and, and people I don't think quite trusted the board that we were going to hold on to Van Dyke. And I, I didn't want to say anything publicly in terms of, you know, making fun of Liverpool fans or anything until, <laughs> until the window was closed. You know, I didn't yeah, want to, if I would have done it at 1050 and we would have sold him at, at, you know, 1055, I would have been pissed. So, yeah, um, me too. <laughs> so the fact that we've managed to, 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 to hold on to him and, and to, you know, now it's going to be about, you know, can we manage him and get him back on the, on the, on the field? Cause I don't think he does anybody any good if he's, if he's not playing, you know, I'd be shocked if he doesn't come back into the fold and, and play for us. I'd be shocked if he sat out for six months to a year, especially in a world cup year. I, I, I can't remember a main, a major player at a major club sitting out for a long time. Maybe Carlos Tevez might have done it for Man City many years ago, but it just doesn't happen anymore. It's, it's not good for his career. It's not good for his PR. Um, and, and it's certainly no good for his international chances. Um, I just can't believe that he would sit out. It would totally shock me. Um, I assume that he just comes back into the fold. Um, there might be a few boos, unfortunately, to, to start with, but he might just have to cop that on the chin because of the way he's acted. Right. But if he, if he comes in and he starts putting a shift in and he plays well for us, I think it'll all soon be forgotten very quickly, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think if he comes in and plays and, and is, is the same Virgil that we've, we saw last year and the year before, no, no, yeah. no issues whatsoever. Um, yeah, if he comes in, you know, and kind of comes back the way and plays the way Jose Font did after the Euros. Yeah. Uh, then absolutely. we'll have issues, but <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, then they'll definitely be booing. Yeah. And, and uh, if he's playing that badly, it's understandable. It's understandable because it's probably yeah, more about absolutely. the way he's playing than, than anything else. But, um, yeah, yeah. so, so you're, you're welcoming him back kind of with open arms and saying, yep. Let, let's do it. Absolutely. I mean, he's such a good player and he's so important to us. Uh, and to have him and Hoyt, uh, in, in the back, would make a very good defence for us. Mm-hmm. And um, I consider him one of the best centre-backs in the world at the moment, and I don't think we'll come across players of his calibre playing for Saints very often. 
So um, the longer he stays with us, the better. I mean, if I had the choice between accepting $100 million for Virgil or having him play out his contract with us and then him leaving for nothing at the end of that, I would gladly have him play for us for the next five years and, and have him leave for nothing and then take that $100 because I think that he's way more valuable to us than that money that we would receive for him. Yeah, I understand that, I think. I think I, I, think I tend to agree with you. And uh, you kind of look at what some of the other teams are doing in terms of that. Um, Arsenal didn't let Alexis Sanchez go. They're going to hold, they're going to, they're going to forego 70 million for, for, you know, maybe six months, maybe one more season. And yep. because he is, he is that good. And I think they were actually, if they would have signed Lamar, they would have gotten rid of him, but uh, it didn't yeah. quite work out. And I, and I can understand them, them choosing to, to hold on to him and making him play. So, yeah. Um. So, so you're giving him a BB plus for, for this window. Yeah, I think so. And then move. I, I, I think people will think that's high, but, what what do you think? Um, uh, you know, maybe B minus B B minus. Yeah. Um, I'm not yeah. too far off. Simply because I think, like you said, standing firm on the on the Virgil Van Dyke situation represents a change in kind of how the club is 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 functioning. And I think that I think that's a, I think that's positive. They've also gone out and addressed kind of that the center back situation for the long term by by bringing in Hoyt and and Benatic. Um. We have a, a really good midfielder in, in Lamina, um, but like you said, we didn't we didn't get the the attacking players necessarily that we need, and even with all the chances we created last year, the finishing's not there. And I don't know, I don't know if we have the I don't know if the players we have can do it. I think they can, but but mm. it's getting to the point now where it's been a season and, and some, and and they're going to have to start doing it. Otherwise, I can't I can't keep thinking they're going to, you know. Definitely. Um, but. Uh, Given the grade you you've given the board, what you know, if, if this is a summative grade, how can they improve that uh, going forward into January? What can they do to? Uh, is it just is it just bringing the number ten and the striker? Yeah, for me, I'd be happy with that. To be honest, um, I think that's the areas of weakness. Maybe a, a, another another winger would be good. Um, basically, we just need more goals out of midfield. Um, but where you get them from, I don't know. And particularly in January, where you get them from, because in January you typically have to overpay right. to get players. And the markets just spike so much in this transfer window as it is. I just can't see us paying the big amount plus extra for an overpay to get someone who's better than anyone that we already have. Um, and then it's also an issue of wages as well. So I'm not sure where that player will come from. I don't think it'll be in January. I'll be shocked if we sell Virgil in January because we traditionally don't like to do business in January. And if we had to buy a replacement, it's going to cost us extra um, to do so in January and teams don't necessarily want to give up players that are right. really good. So I think Virgil will stay for the season. He'll just have to suck it up and get on with it, really. And I think that they will try and find a bargain or they will just sort of keep their ear to the ground and, and try and come up with something if they if things don't get better in terms of goal scoring. Um, but if not, I think we're probably going to have to stick with what we got and, and, and go into next year. But my concern is that if somebody gets injured in the strikers department, we I was really surprised that they sent Gallagher out on loan um, because if somebody does get injured, we really only have Charlie and Shane Long, uh, uh-huh. even in the academy, I don't know who else we've really got that could come in and play a role because even Ola Moller went out on loan. Mm-hmm. 
and now I'm I'm starting to feel like I regret us selling J-Rod, to be honest, right now, because I think he could actually have been a player that, particularly with what he's done with West Brom so far, could have been a player we definitely could have used. I kind of thought he was going to go, and I thought he needed to go just for his... Yep. So did I. But but I I understand and, and see we are kind of short in that department. And let's face mm. it, neither Charlie Austin nor Gabby Zini stayed fit all, all year last year. And, no, that's it. And that leaves... They both get injured. It's just Shane Long. And, and, and that's all that is is pace. You know, that's it. Yeah, um, that's it. I mean, I just can't see him scoring 20 goals to, to keep his competitive. So No. Um, and then literally, who else is there? I, I don't. We, we'd have to play one of the academy uh, guys, and um, mm-hmm. I just don't think they're quite ready for that step up yet. But. No, no. I mean, if you if you've seen, I don't know if you've seen any of the under twenty threes, but they don't look yeah, particularly convincing. No, um, and they're playing uh, the second division even. So yeah, uh, you know, yeah. I I hope they I, I I hope somebody comes along, and you never know. Maybe I I don't know, but maybe Gallagher has that thing where we have the ability to recall him you know, mid season yeah, well, or whatever, but they'd uh, want to hope so. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> really. Cause I think, I think he could be good. Uh, he's, he's, I saw him play last year a bit, mm-hmm. uh, for Blackburn and, and he looked good. Um, he, um, he's big and mobile and, um, I think he could turn out to be a decent player for us eventually. All right. Well, so overall it sounds like you're pretty, you know, you're, you're at least yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you, you, you accept content. kind of, yeah, content. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I'm uh, content with with what we did, and um, I think Lamina and Hoyt have been good signings, and keeping Virgil was great. Um, you know, as long as Gabby Adidi doesn't get injured, um, it should be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just hope for hope for health here. Um, well, hope for the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for for doing this. I, I really do appreciate it. No problem. It was it was great. Anytime. And I want to ask you one more question. If you you know, mm. you talked about Letitia coming down to Perth to to caddy for mm. whatever whatever it was. Yeah, um, I can't remember who it was. If you could caddy for one player on the Saints team, past, present, who would it be? Mm, that's a good question. Um, hmm, I think it would either be uh, Kelvin Davis because I think he's he would be funny and have some funny stories, and he seems like a bit of a practical joker. Or it would be Francis Benali once again because I think he'd have some good stories and he seems like a good guy. My my only concern with Davis is that you might wind up like that uh, that Sky Sports or BBC reporter uh, with the big purple. Uh, we won't say what it is. But... <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yes, indeed. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But yeah, that's not. No, I think he would be. That that's a pretty good. It's pretty good uh, choice there. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Who would you pick? I don't know. We, uh, we kind of asked some questions about, you know, going to, uh, uh, I was talking to Aiden small about if we took, you know, you had to go to a, a music festival with somebody. He said, Charlie Austin. Oh, yeah. And I just said, yeah, I, I don't, that was a good answer. I don't think I can hang, you know, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And, and did I you say Yoshi, I did. I did. Just, yeah. I think that was a good answer. Well, I think, I don't know. Cause I'm just, I'm pretty boring, I guess. And, and I think I could the golf can, the golf course tends to get a bit out of control for me if I if I let it. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. It would probably wind up. I'd probably. I don't know. Um, I'm thinking about people just on this uh, on the squad currently, and I'm afraid that some of them wouldn't be very good, and I wouldn't want. Yeah. I'd be really embarrassed for them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but 
but that's that's somewhere where where something like like Charlie Austin probably would be funny. He's probably decent. I think he plays anyway. Yeah. Um, yep. And and it it would be a good time. And it's only eighteen holes, and I can survive that. It's not three days and no shower. So no, I can, that's right. I can do yeah, that absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess Charlie Austin would be would be fun for for that situation. Yeah, absolutely. But but yeah, um, and like I said, thank you for doing this, and and hopefully we'll, we'll talk again. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. It was great. All right. Uh, well, we'll talk to you next time, and thanks for coming. Great, no problem. And once again, that was Scott Shenton uh, coming to us all the way from Australia. I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, kind of his take on things. I really enjoyed talking with Scott. We were talking for uh, a much longer time than you got to hear on the podcast, but it was fantastic. And hope you had a fantastic Father's Day. It was Father's Day in Australia uh, on Sunday, so hopefully he enjoyed that. And uh, now we're going to move on to uh, a season ticket holder, uh, a voice you may recognize, maybe trying to place it with a face. He frequents the fan cams after the games on the ugly inside tv so uh we're going to talk with hassan Tariq. you can find him on twitter at hassan Tariq 10 and i'd like to remind you that everybody we talk to their twitter profile or their facebook profile uh links are in the show notes to so be sure if you're interested uh click friend follow all of those things so uh hassan you're on twitter at hassan Tariq 10 tell us a little bit about yourself and uh kind of how you became a fan and and then we'll get into the transfer window I'm a student. I'm 19 years old. I'm studying at the University of Southampton. I was born in Southampton, lived in Southampton my whole life. I remember as a kid, I remember looking out from my bedroom window, I could see St. Mary Stadium. And, you know, ever since a kid, you know, I knew I, knew I wanted to support this great club. It means a lot, a lot to me. And not just me, just, just me, but to the local community and the city as a whole. So, yeah. And anybody else in your family, uh, Saints supporters, or are you kind of on your own there? Well, my father's worked at Southampton Docks. Uh, he's a who's Southampton fan as well as my brother. But unfortunately, we've got a few Liverpool fans in my family as well. Oh, no. My two other brothers are huge Liverpool fans. And um, I guess we've had a bit of banter this summer regarding Virgil van yeah, Dijk. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Every summer's a different story with us not. So, yeah. I mean, do you ever just pass your jerseys on to them and they just wear them as a, uh, you know, as as Klein and Mane and everything else? <laughs> <laughs> they, in a way, they have a soft spot for Southampton. You know, living in the city, it's just a huge shame they didn't support them. But um, they they're really interested in watching Southampton. When you look at the likes of players like Klein, Lalana, Lovren, Mane that have joined Southampton, uh, Liverpool from Southampton. They share a huge interest in Southampton, you know. Yeah. I'll say to them, I've got a free Southampton ticket going today. They're, they're the first ones that want to go and watch the team. They have a real interest in Southampton, for sure, and the, and the players that we're bringing in. <laughs> well, yeah, because they want them eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, they could just start watching Celtic and then we'll just, you know, they could just cut us out of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, like I said, thank you for, for doing this and uh, I appreciate it. And what we're trying to do this, this, it, episode is just kind of get a, a rating for the club or the or the board on their on their transfer window and their dealings yeah. and so uh, i'm a teacher so we're trying to go like a grade a through f and then kind of you decide the rubric why why you gave them that grade so if you had to grade the the board uh what would they get for their their business this summer so well, i'm finding it very hard i can't criticize the board they've been brilliant this summer they really have been um you know, they kept Virgil, which if you told me in May that we would have kept him over the summer, I would have laughed at you. They brought in two quality players, Wesley Hoyder and Lumina. Um, I know the other player, Jan Benderak, he's 
comes across to me as a player for the future for the club and I think he'll, he'll get to learn of two brilliant players in Van Dijk and Hoydet. So um, overall I've been very pleased with the board. I can't really fault them too much to be honest. Over the summer we said we want a bit more attacking football and okay they haven't brought any attacking players in but what they have done is they've changed the manager. They've brought in a manager who's promised us attacking football and I do honestly believe he will deliver. So uh, I've been very pleased with the board this summer. Over the last few years, I've been very frustrated where they've sold our best players. But I'm very, very pleased with what they've done this summer. And um, they should be very proud of themselves. Like going into the summer, did you did you think it would be another another summer of selling selling all of our players? Yes, I did. Um, just based on our track record, if it goes as far as back as the 2014 summer, where we sold Chambers, Lovren, Shaw, Lalana, uh, and then the 2015, we saw we saw Shadidalin, who's a, who was one of our best players then as well. Uh-huh. The last summer we got well with Yaba, if we do to leave Pele, Mane, you know probably you could arguably say our three best players for the 15, 16 season. Yeah. So you know, I just thought that, especially with a lot of, in England, you know, a lot of loose speculations. Oh, your players are leaving, your players are leaving, and the gossip columns on a daily basis. So um, yeah, I just thought we'd probably lose Virgil Van Dijk who's one of our best players. Really, really pleased that we've managed to keep him. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I don't think you're alone in thinking that even when the board kind of came out and said, you know, we're, we're changing course a little bit, we don't need to sell, we're, we're in a financially in a better place. I don't think anybody kind of believed it because the, the history says otherwise. But I think with the board kind of being upfront and being, and at least publicly remaining strong throughout the entire transfer window, mm-hmm. I, I think that, is something we we should we should definitely give them credit for. But as you as you said, uh, we didn't maybe address. I think what people think is the biggest need in that we didn't find that that attacking player, that possibly that winger or that 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 central attacking midfielder to really kind of push us through the next level. Do you think we have to do that in January? Or do you think that's something that's that's next summer? And do you think we just kind of go with the players we have now for the year? I do think the club were looking to bring an attacking player in. You know, I, I remember. In the back end of our season, we were linked with Sigurdsson. But I think what's happened is just the prices have just gone completely bonkers. You know, for a really good attacking player, you're talking 40, 50 million. I think we saw Sigurdsson go for 45 million. And, you know, Southampton aren't the sort of club that are going to throw that sort of money at players. And um, I think that the, the players they have bought in, they haven't spent too much. I see that the price range is just absolutely bonkers that they, the club decided, look, we're going to, we can wait until January. I think we can wait until January, to be honest. Um, regarding a creative player, I think we have created a lot of chances lately. You know, we had 29 shots against Swansea. Unfortunately, the, the, the right chances aren't falling to the right players. Remember against Swansea, Yoshida, Mr. Sitter. And just last week, weekend against Huddersfield, our best chance fell to uh, Ryan Burchard in the 90th minute. Just the right chances aren't falling to the right players. But I, I see the team are working, are working hard, and I do believe it's not long before we start scoring on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, and I, I tend to kind of believe that. I'm just, I think I've been hoping that for a while, and I just hope that it finally kind of comes true. Yeah. You know, like yeah. eventually, you have to think. You, you, you keep creating the chances. Eventually, they, they have to go in. You know, it just, yeah. I don't, know, I don't really want to get into expected goals and all that stuff, but uh, you know, it, it, it'll be what it is. Um, but in, in terms of, of of Van Dyke and keeping him. Are you going to be welcoming him back kind of with open arms or are you kind of, uh, are you reluctant to kind of maybe give him a warm welcome when he comes back immediately? Well, 
I think he will get a cold shoulder from a lot of the fans, understandably why after his actions. He's hurt me, and he's hurt, I think, the whole entire Southampton fan base. But I think a lot will forgive him, and I personally will forgive him. He's a brilliant player, and um, it's very hard to keep a player of that calibre out and in the cold for that long. I think Virgil is the sort of player that will, with him in the squad, will win us 10 to 15 points more than without him in the squad. And I just think he's just too good of a player to keep out. Does he need to apologise openly? Yes. I think the first person he should start with is Maurizio Pellegrino. You know, he's coming to the club and I don't think Virgil's made his life any easier. So um, I think he will be entered with open arms. I think it's just a matter of when he starts playing. So we'll wait and see. Yeah. I kind of hope, uh, you know, that the Netherlands turn their qualifying around because I think if they qualify for the World Cup, it will be more pressure on him to, to perform. Whereas if they're not going to even be around this summer, it, it'll be, uh, it'll be slightly less pressure on him. So I, I hope they, yeah. they do that and he kind of realizes he's got to, he's got to come back and play for us and hopefully he gives us a good year. And I think with that, that center back pairing, whoever is there with him, I think, uh, he, like you said, he makes us just a lot, lot better. Um, so yeah, but if, if I, if I had to ask you to give them an actual grade, A through F, what would you give them? The board, the board, (sighs) I would have liked them to bring in another attacking player, but I can understand why, um, maybe a, a goalkeeper they could have brought in to maybe test Fraser. Cause we both know these last 12 months, he's been, I would say poor, very poor. And I think him not getting caught up to the England squad shows that. So for them to get a grade A for me, they would have had to bring in an attacking player and the keeper. But despite that, I'm gonna give him a I'm gonna give him a B. Okay. Because I think I think we've got a really good squad. I'm really looking forward to the season. Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty fair uh, assessment. And um, I think for a lot of people, the the Virgil Van Dyke kind of standing firm on that and keeping him at the club was almost the biggest factor in how the board was going to be judged this summer. Um, yeah. And and I think you know they addressed. The long-term issue at center back, they they went out and got, I think, a, a Premier League-ready partner for whoever is there, whether it's Van Dyke or Yoshida or whoever, uh, or Stevens. And and then we also went and got, we got Romeu a, a proper kind of partner uh, to sit alongside him and kind of do the box-to-box stuff. So I'm I'm overall pretty happy. And But like you said, uh, maybe one more attacker, a winger, a number, uh, I don't know if it's a number 10 or an attacking midfielder, that that would have been, uh, been great. But you can't, you can't have it all all the time, so... Yeah. Overall, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with how it's gone. So, um, any kind of final final thoughts from you on, on the window? Um, well, not really. Um, I think for us to really judge the window, if you'd probably ask need to ask the question in the set in Christmas time, because we need to see how Wesley Hoydet do and Lamina do, and how Virgil sort of fits back into the team. Is he still got that hundred percent commitment to the club? And it will show on the pitch, I believe, whether he's still committed to the club or not. And if he's not then you'd probably say, why didn't the club sell him? And if the players that we brought in don't fit in and perform, you might say, why did we bring him in? Because brought him in for big money, 18 million, I believe um, Lamina was brought in for. Mm-hmm. I think Hoydet was also brought in for a similar fee. So um, I think you could probably judge this window in a few months' time. Window's just finished. Current feeling is good. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see how the players we brought in are doing. And also the players that have gone up as well. For example, if Jay Rodriguez goes on and is amazing at West Brom, right. some fans might raise a few eyebrows and say, why did we sell him? So you've got to look at both sides. But 
I'm 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 happy. I'm happy. But I can wait and see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's fair. Um well uh thank you for, for coming on and doing this. I really do appreciate it. It's a pleasure. And uh thank you very much. maybe we'll get together and do like a, a full length thing uh, at some point down the road. Yeah, definitely. I look I'll look forward to that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Have a good day. You too. And we'd like to thank Hassan again for joining the show. You can find him on Twitter at Hassan Tariq. He's also on Facebook. Uh, and hopefully you'll be hearing more from him in the future if it all works out. And uh, now you're going to hear the voice of, of somebody that you probably will recognize. And um, if, if you listen at all to the Saints FC podcast, you know that, that John Bailey, who is our next guest, uh, interviews uh, players. They look at the match, uh, he, he and his co-host. But um, that show is really focused around talking to people who used to be at the club, uh, people who surrounded the club. And uh, it, it's just a really uh, kind of unique uh, insight into the club and something that we we don't really have with any of the other podcasts that are out there uh, for our club. So, um, John, welcome to the show. I know we can follow the show at Saints FC Podcast on Twitter, and I know we can listen on iTunes, uh, Lisbon, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcast. So, uh, anybody out there who hasn't taken a look at the Saints FC Podcast, I would encourage you to do that. Um, but, John, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us. Oh, brilliant! Thank you very much, Matthew, for having me on. Oh, it's my so, pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've kind of been chatting back and forth for a while every once in a while. And, uh, you know, I enjoy the podcast and it's, uh, it's nice to hear from, uh, former players and, and, and all that stuff. So thank you for doing that. And, um, uh, if, if you would just kind of tell us a little bit about, uh, where you're from, I guess, I guess most listeners probably already know that. Yeah. Cause if they listen to yours, then, then they know. So, um, anything you haven't mentioned on yours that you'd like to mention here before we, we jump into the, to the transfer window? Uh, yeah, I'm not, I, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> I guess, yeah, maybe if, if they've listened to the very first episode of the Saints FC podcast on there, but, but, um, yeah, the, the, the reason that I support Southampton, um, is because my great granddad played for the club many, many years ago. We're going back to like 1901, 1902. And, um, yeah, when I got into football, my granny was like, Oh, you're into football now. You should have a look at this. And she got out these old photos and stuff of him, uh, these black and white dusty things. And it was just like, well, you know, he, he played for Southampton. He was manager of Wolverhampton Wanderers and played for, I think, for Gillingham and Shrewsbury as well. But yeah, at the time, Southampton had Matt Letizia. So the, the choice was obvious. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, like I said, thanks for, for, uh, coming on the show and doing that. And, uh, today, basically, we're just going to kind of look at the transfer window and, and say, uh, you know, what, what's the grade you would give the club for their business? Um, and then you kind of get to decide. Uh, what that is and what uh, aspects of the business were most important to to you to kind of come up with that rating. So um, if we start with kind of the grade, if you had to give it A through F, that's kind of an archaic teacher grading system, but uh, what would you, what would you give them? Um, I, I guess I'd give them a C, although I think kind of grading a transfer window, like on the, what is it? 3rd of September today, as, as we're chatting, um, it's a bit like giving someone a grade when they've walked out of their exam and just you've asked them how it went because yeah. you really don't know how good or bad the business is or, or, or was until we see what happens, you know, with Mario Lamina, Wesley Hooter and Jan, Jan Bednarek. The, I guess it's the C from, from the early perspective. I think Lamina's going to be a great asset to the club. I, I just have a, a good feeling about him. He looks like he's going to be a really strong, powerful, box-to-box midfielder, um, the kind of person that we need in the team. Uh, Wesley Hoot and Jan Bednarek, um, I'm just not 100% sure about either of them yet. 
Yeah, I think Wesley Hoot has a kind of mixed reputation when it comes if he speaks to people about the Italian league, like he was never really able to establish himself in the first team. Um, and that concerns me a little bit. And the other thing that uh, I guess kind of concerns me about the fact we've brought in two centre-backs is um, I think Mai Yoshida and Jack Stevens have, have both been brilliant. Um, I think Yoshida looks really composed on the ball. He's turned into a much better player. And I think Stevens has got really, really great potential. And there's a little bit of worry for me that, you know, let's say Wesley Hoot is slightly edges ahead of Stevens in the pecking order. Um, you know, perhaps that means Stevens doesn't get the opportunity that, that he should. And I don't know, I kind of think with Stevens, if we gave him a little bit more time, he could really turn into one of those really classy centre-backs, um, you know, a bit like Van Dyke before he got injured and then threw all his toys at the pram. <laughs> he, he can see a pass, Stevens. He can come out of defence with the ball and start attacks from it. And, and that is something that's really exciting, gives you an extra element. Right. Um, you know, when you're playing a game and one of your centre-backs starts to move forward with the ball, suddenly the opposition have a problem because they've got an extra player in attack that they weren't really prepared for. And so, you know, that's when you start to see place, uh, see space and, you know, plenty of options for, for players to move around and get that ball. So, yeah, I mean, I think Stevens will be great at that, but I guess, you know, we'll have to wait and see, see if like Hoot and Bednarek and who, who gets the starting positions, especially once uh, Van Dyke comes back into the first team squad as well. Yeah. Yeah. You, you do kind of worry about him, his, because he's developed so much over just a short period of time with the first team that if he now there, there's the chance that he kind of it slows down or stops completely if he's not getting into the team and and get, being able to kind of play in game situations and, and progress. So that is that is a concern. Um, I mean, how important w- was it to you that we held on to Van Dyke versus selling him to Liverpool or anybody else? Uh, I think at the start of the transfer window, that was the most important thing, you know, and that's why I think. I think A to C grade you, is pretty good. Um, so, you know, I've given them a C. I think keeping Van Dyke is good news for the club. I think it sends the right sort of message out there. The way it's gone um, and the way Van Dyke has behaved has, you know, soured the whole thing quite a lot, really. You know, if you look at some of the other players that have been fishing for transfers but haven't got it, um, like, you know, Riyad Mahrez keeps on, you know, being held up as an example of someone who's playing well, committed. I mean, obviously we know that, um, you know, there's been other players in the Saints squad who there've been rumors going about and, you know, they've managed to still play well, play in the team. And, um, you know, I just, I think Van Dyke has probably done a lot of damage to his own reputation. Um, and I, I just worry about what, sort of atmosphere that's kind of you know created within within the side and within the first team squad but yeah we'll have to wait and see how it goes i mean schneidlin did exactly the same thing wanyama did exactly the same thing and then they both managed to reintegrate themselves into the team so yeah hopefully it'll be okay yeah you you hope that he can put it behind him and kind of focus and you hope that the rest of the team kind of just like can look at it and say like, all right, that's that's done, and now let's let's focus on on what we have here and just play. But um, moving forward, kind of into into January, if you look ahead, what can what can the board or the or the club do to kind of improve that grade during that period? Uh, I just think we need more uh, options up front. I don't think that we've replaced um, Pella properly 
or Lambert, you know, that kind of like big center forward role. I think Charlie Austin, you know, he's a great finisher. Um, he's a decent player. He will get you goals when he's in the right positions on the pitch, but he's not, he doesn't add that kind of like extra element, um, in terms of the way that you can play the game. You know, you'd look at kind of Ricky Lambert and Graziano Pella and they gave you something different. So if you had, you know, Pella up front, if you change him over for a Shane Long, you suddenly change the whole dynamic of the way your your attack works, or if you get them playing together. So I think you know Gabbiadini, Austin, Shane Long. I think we need a big kind of centre forward there. You know, I've heard that Ricky Lambert's actually available for a free, and God knows what's happened to him since we sold him because his <laughs> career's gone on a you know nosedive down. But I I would genuinely be tempted just to bring him in on a short-term contract, you know, maybe see what his fitness is like, see if you can get that kind of sharpness back. Yeah. Um, because he, he offers something, you know, different. And um, I, I wondered if they were going to be using kind of Sam Gallagher uh-huh. in that sort of role this season, trying to get him trained up and ready for that. But, you know, they've loaned him out to Birmingham, um, who I'm sure will be a car crash in the championship with Harry Redknapp as their manager. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I don't know how that's going to go. Um, <laughs> But I don't know any anything else that you kind of you kind of think about the transfer window uh, in terms of anything stand out else else stand out to you? Um, sorry, I, I guess the whole saga has really been about Van Dyke, and it's been boring to be quite frank. Yeah, you know, I, I like to kind of you know type in Southampton into the Google News and have a look at you know all the talk that's going on, yeah, you know, because I'm interested in what's going on in the club, but. Every time you've done that over the last kind of like three or four months, it's all about Van Dyke and it's just so boring. I, I think we, we've known for quite a long time that we weren't going to sell Van Dyke, yet the media just kept on recycling right. the same story over and over and over and over and over again. Um, so, in terms of my own personal enjoyment of the summer transfer window, you know, I, I found that really, really boring. And I, I was um, in the pub with a uh, couple of mates uh, for the England match on Friday and one, is, one of them is a Tottenham fan one of them is a Liverpool fan and they're both you know really excited oh what a fantastic transfer window this was so you know they found it all exciting but I don't know as a Saints fan I find that you know you, all the rumours that you read tend to be ones of you know your best players leaving so I yeah. hate that yeah um, yeah but yeah I, I think you know we've got to give uh, Les Reed you know some kudos for you know, he said he wasn't going to sell Van Dyke. they didn't sell Van Dyke. Um, we've brought in, you know, a bit of strength and depth in, in defense. We've got, you know, what looks like a handy player in Mario Lamina. I think, yeah, we're maybe missing something up front, but I, I don't think anyone's particularly too sad about the players that we've sold. I think, you know, Jay Rodriguez, I would have loved to have seen get back to his old self, but, you know, you know, who knows if that's going to happen. I, I hope it does. I genuinely really, really like the guy and the way he plays football is fantastic. So. Um, I hope it works out for him at West Brom, but you know, ever since his injury, things haven't really been the same for us with him. Right, right. Now, when West Brom come and visit St. Mary's, who do you think gets a warmer welcome, Jay Rodriguez or Van Dyke when he steps back on the field? <laughs> Jay Rodriguez will get a much warmer <laughs> welcome. Uh, I was afraid you were going to say that, but I think you're right. I, I agree. Yeah, there's absolutely no question about that. I mean, it's going to be interesting with Van Dyke. I remember when Schneiderland did something very similar. Um, I think the first game I saw him play uh, after he came back into the side was at Upton Park against West Ham United away. And he scored, I think, two goals that, that day. And that's kind of what 
Van Dyke needs to do. As soon as he comes back in, he needs to make a really big contribution. He needs to play really, really well yeah. and demonstrate to the fans that he does care, um, you know, and that he is a professional and he will do the best he can for Saints. If he has a couple of dodgy games or it looks like his heart or his head's not in it, I, I think his relationship with the fans is going to get pretty poor. Yeah, I, I think there there definitely is that that risk there and i hope it doesn't go that way i hope he plays well and i hope he's, his head's kind of in it so uh, we will see it's, it's going to be hard work though going back into that you know training room and back into that club having said all of that on twitter yeah i mean yeah. He, he just comes out looking like a complete plonker yeah um <laughs> uh, yeah um now, when you do your your guys's podcast, um, you have a co-host, but often your your podcast is kind of focused on on interviewing kind of former players uh, and or people kind of surrounding the club and and doing that. Um, if I could ask you, what is your like? What's your dream interview? What what who do you most want to interview that you haven't had on yet? And it, and then maybe one current player that you would maybe like to talk to at some point. Um. Well, I mean, Matt Letitia is the obvious one. Um, you know what? I'd, I'd actually really like to get a former manager on. I think that would give a different insight. You know, the, the players all have a particular experience. Of, obviously, I'd love to interview Matt Letizia. I think he's maybe the most wonderful football player I've ever watched. Um, but yeah, to, to get a former manager would be really interesting. Nigel Adkins, I'd love to interview because, you know, he had two really, really great years at Southampton, two promotions. And then was quite callously moved on by the Southampton board. So I think he'll have, you know, it will be an interesting, you know, topic for an interview. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, um, you know, I, I hope that you are you are well, and thank you for taking the time to do this. And and I I wish you and the, the podcast and all that stuff all the best. Yeah, you're very welcome, Matthew. Right. It's a pleasure. All right. Thank you so much. Cheers. Once again, thank you to John Bailey for joining the show. You can follow his podcast on Twitter at Saints FC Podcast. You can download it wherever you get your podcast. So be sure to check it out. Uh, they got a lot of interesting uh, analysis as well as, like I said, those interviews with uh, former Saints players and things of that nature. So um, I hope you enjoy that. I really appreciate John taking the time. He was actually like cooking lunch uh, while we were doing it, cooking some pork. So um, I had to think about that at like four in the morning while I was uh, talking to him. If you heard it in my voice, it was very, very early. So uh, that's all good though. And now we're going to go ahead and uh, talk to a very special guest, um, someone that uh, I have been helped out very much by, someone who I have been encouraged by, uh, someone who is... um, I think all the guests that I talk to are, are fairly special, um, especially after I talk to them. But um, this is a, a guy you you will recognize. Um, his his Twitter handle is Saints in France, and uh, although you may not recognize his voice, um, he was he was kind enough to to share a few minutes with me and uh, and, and talk about the transfer window. So, uh, Robbie, welcome to the show, and and thank you once again so much for uh, for joining. Um, I just really appreciate it. Uh, no problem, and lovely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely lovely to come on. Oh, my, my, my pleasure to have you. Um, and so if I if I can ask, what part of France do you live in? Uh, Normandy. Um, okay. Very near to, I mean, right on the Normandy coast, sort of along the beaches where the D-Day landings, um, maybe half an hour from St. Malo. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, sort of, really, you can almost hear Southampton when St. Mary's chairs really loud <laughs> and the wind, and, the and wind I, is in the right direction. And I know you've made the trip over uh, a couple times. And how how long does that take you to get there? 
Um, well, normally because uh, I mean, my daughter. I mean, she's nine and a half now, but she's she's mad Saints fan. So I mean, there are a few cheap routes, but when I go over because I have to have a cabin with her, normally I travel from St. Malo. So you're looking. It's normally I think it's about a ten hour crossing. Oh wow! Um, set off in the morning. Um, normally land. I think it's about seven o'clock at night. Okay. Um, and then when you sail back, we, we sail back about eight o'clock at night, land early in the morning. That's that's a long time. <laughs> that's a long trip. It's, it's a long old trip. I mean, her first ever game, um, luckily, was uh, the the great Liverpool comeback. Half time, we were two 0 down. She was sat there, tears in her eyes, and I said, "Come on, keep the faith." <laughs> and then three goals go popping in. I mean, it was quite amazing because we were right down by in the corner by the Liverpool fans. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, yeah, at halftime she was mortified, and come full time she was stood on her chair singing back at them with all the other fans. So oh, that's yeah. awesome. It's a it's a hard um it's a hard game to live up to because her very next match I took her to was the West Ham game last year, at which point she's like, "Daddy, why didn't we win?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Football, sweetheart, get used to it." It's yeah. <laughs> oh man, well. I, I guess kind of looking at the at the team, how would you kind of judge our, our transfer business this summer? Um, I know before on the questionnaire, we had a, a sort of an A to Z um, with respect to how they've done. Um, in terms, if, if I can break that into two, and I'll explain why I'm breaking it into two. In terms of the transfer window with respect to the club and what they've done, personally, I've got to say it's an A for effort. Um, and I'll explain that to you because I'm sure you won't mind me saying, but I've been, I've had a contact with, with Les Reed a couple of times during this window, um, personal contact. And I know for a fact that we've had several transfers that have fallen through, which as a club, because we do things un- under the radar very much so, always have done. Um, I know for a fact that if they'd have happened, that the overall mark would have been higher than what I'm going to give them. But you can't account for. I mean, you can't account for a player like Ross Barkley getting halfway through for a medical, mm-hmm. um, and, th- and then walking out and going home. So, with respect to what everything the clubs had to deal with with certain players, as we know, I mean, let's not mince words with Virgil in that situation. Um, I think, in terms of effort, I'd give them an A overall. Personally, I think it's got to be a C because there are elements that I think we we should have addressed and we haven't. Um, so yeah, A for effort, C overall. In terms of those, uh, the overall score, and I was unaware of kind of, like you said, that we do a lot of business, uh, outside of the public kind of sphere, so we don't see it. But, um, in terms of what we did get done, the C I think is, 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 is pretty fair. I think, um, you consider for me, at least the fact that we didn't sell Virgil, that's a plus, uh, the fact that. We, we did get some long-term defensive replacements I like, but um, what areas do you think that we needed to address that maybe we didn't? Well, the biggest element that I think that, that everyone would agree with is the side that at the moment we're, we're, we just don't seem to be scoring enough goals. Um, I would have liked to have seen a very strong attacking winger, goal-scoring winger come in and an out-and-out striker. But like I say, I know for a fact sales have fallen through and those are the two areas I would like to see addressed. Defensively, I think we're covered. I think we could put all our defenders on that we've got. We could play against 20 guys and keep a clean sheet because we've got so many now. Right. But 
like I say, we need to be scoring goals, uh, and we need to be we need to be attacking. Um, so yeah, I, I think an attacking winger, very strong attacking winger, and and an out and out striker. I'd like to have seen come in. I, I'm pleased with the with the defenders that we've got in, and I'm pleased with what we've got already. I think last season one of the one of the good things was the fact that several players came through due to injuries, etc. Stevens, people like that, uh, and they they've done superbly well, and they will continue. They will continue to to grow. Yeah, um, in stature now. You know, with that C grade now for the window, and of course, it kind of um, depends on how how they how those players kind of pan out. But as we move forward and get towards the January window, do you think the team will address the the striking concerns there? We've, I've had I've heard arguments kind of both ways, where you know it's it's a window that maybe we don't like to spend money in because things are more expensive already and the market's already inflated. So, what what are your thoughts on that? Well, we've got I mean, basically, so we've got four months. The manager's new, and as much as people say, well, he's had a whole preseason. I mean, in football, I mean, when, when you look at football and you look at management, uh, let's just go to Ferguson at Man United. The guy was one game away from being sacked, and look what happened there. I mean, it, it's not an overnight thing. We look at the way Man United have started this season compared to the way they 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 were last season, and it's gonna it's gonna take Pellegrino a little while to get going. And I personally feel that we need to give it four months. We need to give it this four months. We need to see what's going to happen during that time. Um, I could sit here now and say, we need A, B, and C, but that makes me some kind of mind reader. and I'm, I'm, I'm not. It's one of those situations where we need to gauge how the team moves forward now. We need to see how it gels. I mean, we've brought Lamina in, in, in midfield. He's settled straight into the team. I, I mean, we could not have got a bigger, stronger guy to come in to, to play. As it's transpired, it may not, it, it might not have worked that way, but it has. So, in respect to that, I think we need to give it, we need to give it another sort of eight to ten weeks, see how the team progresses, and then say to ourselves, right. I mean, because Saints are always looking; they've always got that black box full of names. So, with that in mind, yeah, the, the January market is always inflated. But if we get to January and we're not scoring goals, then we do have to invest. And if we have to invest money that that's inflated then maybe for once Saints have to take that view. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we, we need to give it a little bit of time. And, I mean, the one thing that really was in the news for us uh, all summer was Van Dyke. And, and <laughs> it's really the only thing that I think Sky Sports wanted to talk about. And, uh, you know, us not selling him and him kind of doing everything that he did, what do you expect for him when he comes back to St. Mary's? Do you think he's welcome back or do you think he's given kind of a, a, a maybe a rude welcome? Um. If I was speaking for myself personally, I mean, I think if I'm totally blunt, I'll be totally blunt and I will be honest. I think the way he's treated the club and the way he's treated the fans is is, is fairly disgusting, to be honest with you. Uh, there's, there's a way to act as a person and there's a way that you behave and the way you treat the people that pay your wages. Um, I'll jump on to the next point quickly, but I will move back again. Whoever is playing for us, I do not believe they should be mistreated when they're out there on that pitch. They shouldn't be booed. They shouldn't be, you know, at the end of the day, if they're playing for the club, then as supporters, we support them. Um, and that's, that's my view. If I'm at St. Mary's and the guy's got the ball and he plays a good ball, I will be cheering him. If he plays a bad ball, I won't be booing him or giving him extra grief. 
because everyone makes mistakes. I mean, there's very few players in this world that do not make a mistake. And if he's playing for the club, then all well and good. If he refuses to, to play, then fine. I mean, the one thing that he's achieved is he's given a lot of ex-Liverpool players that are a little bit out of the limelight, lots of extra cash and appearance money for um, <laughs> behind, getting behind Liverpool and helping them with their quest to sign a new defender. But uh, yeah, personally, if he's playing and he's doing the business for the club, then 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 I'm fully behind it. If the ultimate result for me, because this is going to cause a problem, because there are people, and I fully respect their opinion, that aren't going to be happy about him being there. Mm-hmm. Um, if I've had my, if I, to be honest with you, if I had my personal opinion is, if on the last day of the window, Barcelona, Inter Milan, anyone came in from abroad and said, "We'll pay the money," I would have taken the money. Um, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have concerned me because I do feel that this will cause derision between the fans, um, which is quite a shame because. There will be people after I can see it now. After the first match, he comes back and plays. If he plays, um, there's going to be people saying, "Oh, he was rubbish," and blah blah blah. And then there's going to be people, yeah, that they booed or they didn't boo. Um, and we don't need that at the moment. We're we're in the process of building under a new manager, a few new players coming in, and, and we really need to. Uh, after last season with the, the problems we had, I think this season needs to be one of coming together, giving everyone a hug and moving forward and hopefully um, successfully moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You have any other thoughts? Cause I think you, I think you did a really good job of kind of putting that all in perspective there. Do you have anything else you feel like needs to be said about the, about the window? I'm not overly sure. I mean, I think we've done some, some good quiet work in, I mean, I would like to mention, I mean, Jack Rose has come in from West Brom. I watched him playing goal for the under 23s on a stream. Um, I do feel that he is an absolutely brilliant find. Having seen him play, I'm quite, I'm fairly surprised that West Brom released him. I'm very, very pleased that um, Matt Tiz and his 73 management placed him with Saints because I think the guy looks superb. I think he, he is a real find for us um, coming in. With respect to players going out on loan, it's going to do them the world of good. We have to remember that, that they're playing in a lower league than the Premiership. But, um, I mean, Reed, um, Ryan Seeger, I mean, he, he's doing great at MK Dons. I think they will come back better and stronger players for the experience. But, with yeah, with respect to the window, I think we, we don't get me wrong, I'd love to have seen us buy a 50, 60 million pound striker who sure. was absolutely worth, I mean, if they were worth that money, I mean, it would have been fantastic. But you, you can't find them anymore because it's, it's it, the money's gone ridiculous. And when we're finding players like Lamina for around the 14 million mark that with all due respect that give it a season with us playing like he has started off I mean the guy's going to be worth have a lot more than that right um he won't be but in terms of the market he will yeah so I mean the players to me the value of the player is what he provides the team it's not the price on his head that is where I mean like the money with Everyone's been talking about Van Dyke. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, a guy wants to move on. He mate wants to play at a high level. Fair shout, but but give it your all for the team. Give it a Morgan Snidely. I mean, the guy, yeah, Morgan, he did the same. But he he was unhappy. He made a tweet. He had a chat. He got on and gave us an amazing season. Right. Um, I really personally, my personal feelings are I don't think we're going to see that from Van Dyke, but I'm hoping to be proved wrong. Yeah, yeah. 
Very much so. I mean, I'm hoping that when I come over, I'm hoping to get over two or three games this season, and I'm hoping the guy's at the back, he's leading the defence, and I can clap the guy and cheer him as much as I always have. But sadly, I just can't. I can't see it coming. But we'll see. I'm hoping to be wrong. I hope you are too, but <laughs> we'll see. Um, yeah. You mentioned kind of the the ten hours or so that it takes for you to get from from your place to. Uh, to St. Mary's or to Southampton. So if you took that trip, you know, you in the front seat driving, uh, your daughter next to you, uh, if you could have one former Saints player in the backseat and one current Saints player in the backseat to spend that time uh, traveling over with, who would it be? Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's tricky. Um, I'll tell you what. Let's pretend I've got a five-seater, okay? Okay. Because, because, <laughs> um, because in the back, I would, without a doubt, I'd have, I'd have Matt and Franny Benali because – the banter between those two guys is great. I mean, they met at Southampton. They're, they're both Saints legends. And to have them sit in the back, I really wouldn't want to talk to them. I just want to listen to them, to be honest. That would be, that would be my choice in the back seat. Maybe put Nipper in the middle to, um, wind them both up a bit <laughs> to get them to go at each other. Front seat passenger, current team. Um, uh, I think Oriole. I mean, the guy. Has normally got a, a permanent smile on his face. Yeah. Um, he works hard. I mean, you can tell he loves playing for us. And uh, yeah, I think I'd like to have him in the front because he smiles a lot more than Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm sure Ryan would be very great company. And I'm sure that he'd have lots of nice things to say. But I like to see the players with a smile on their face. And now Yordi's gone on loan. The second biggest smile at the club has got to be Oriol. So. Yeah, yeah. Him in front, nipper in the back, keeping the peace between Matt and Franny. <laughs> yeah, that would be the three. That sounds sounds like a good car trip for me. Sounds like a good road trip. Yeah, it would be fun, I think. Yeah. Well, well, Robbie. Once again, I want to thank you for doing this. I really appreciate your time. Um, no, no. I tell you, it's been an absolute pleasure. I mean, I, do, I don't, I don't usually like doing these, and I've yeah. really enjoyed it. And, and thank you very much, Matt. Oh, no. my, my pleasure. And you're always welcome to talk on on or off camera. So, oh, fantastic. Yeah, I look right. forward to it. Thank you. No problem. Take care. And once again, that was Robbie. He's at Saints in France on Twitter. A special thanks to him for joining the show. Uh, he doesn't always do this type of thing, so I feel extremely honored to be able to have him on. Uh, it was really, really great to be able to talk to him, and uh, I'm really, I really, I really hope you enjoyed his perspective on on the whole transfer situation. Um, we have one more guest for you this episode uh you will recognize his voice he is the host of the total saints pod uh ben stanfield normally gets to uh, converse about saints with uh with a number of people but but most often now with adam leach who writes for the southern daily echo um but they're not doing an episode this week so ben had to settle for me so if you don't follow ben on twitter it's at ben stanners you can also follow the total saints podcast at total saints pod so uh, be sure to get over there and check those out they have new episodes uh, almost every monday and uh, they are a, a fantastic piece of i guess audio journalism or, or discussion or podcast whatever you want to call it so um, one more perspective for you but ben we'd like to welcome you to the to the show thank you for taking the time to join us and uh, i can't wait to talk about southampton in the transfer window with you it's good to be here matt yeah looking forward to it. listening to a lot of the podcasts that you guys are, are doing and um, yeah Hoping I can add some value and um, significance. I, I'm having the week off this week, so it's nice to, to come on and talk to you and at least feel that I'm uh, still getting my chance to talk about Saints. Yeah, absolutely. That And that is what this is is all about uh, for me, is, is learning about stuff and talking about Saints and, and all that. So um, you're currently not living in, 
in London or in Southampton or in England, even you're, you're kind of uh, over in Scotland. So can you tell us a little bit of kind of, a, a about your, your link to Southampton and, and how you, how you became a fan and all that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Southampton born and bred. I've, I've got a uh, thick Hampshire accent still, and I'm uh, proud to be a Southampton lad. Matt, I, um, Born there in 1981, without boring everyone, um, I moved up to Scotland in 2010. So uh, just uh, just before Nigel Adkins took over at Saints, actually. So I I sort of consider myself inadvertently a, a bit of a lucky charm because they've obviously done very well ever since I left the region. So <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. It's cost me an arm and a leg to go back to uh, to watch them. But look, I'm 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 a proud Southampton lad. It's always been my team. My my family have a long history of supporting them and growing up and watching them and such like right through the sort of 20th century and into into this one. So, um, yeah, it's it's, um, it's part of my life. I think uh, I, I said in one of my recent podcasts, you know, we all have red and white blood cells for a reason. And I think uh, that's that's the way I feel about it is that um, it's, it's that sort of relief you get uh, at the end of every week of, of being in the office and being able to share some of the frustrations with fans like yourself right across the world now. I mean, it's amazing how, how social media has, has sort of helped us all interact with each other and talk about saints and uh, grow and such like. And um, there was, there was one thing actually I was, um, I was, I was sort of thinking about the, the show and what I could add. And uh, I, um, I came up with a little antidote, which I thought was quite a good link between myself and, and you, you and your pod, which was right. um, my, uh, my great granddad, actually a guy called Captain Keely was um, uh, captain of the um, Calshot tugboat, which used to go up and down Southampton water, pulling a, a lot of the liners uh, and um, sort of late 1930s, early 1940s. One of the, the liners that he was responsible for um, tugging up and down Southampton was the original Queen Mary liner. Um, and the Queen Mary, as, you, as you'll probably well know, Matt, now is, is based at uh, Long Beach there, there uh-huh. in Los Angeles. So I thought, you know, even, even talking to you on the other side of the world, there's a good little link between me and Southampton and my family and, and sort of your base and uh, and such like really. So, yeah, absolutely. And I, I we've actually launched kind of from there for a, a cruise we were on, I think, once or twice. And, you know, you get to see it and you can take tours of, of, of it. And yeah. So, yeah, that's awesome. It sounds it, it does kind of sound like you did more research for this than, than I did. So I, I apologize. <laughs> But 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 thank you. Um, and, and so your family's been there kind of forever, and and you still get to you still manage to go back for some some matches at least. I don't know if it, uh, how often it is, but uh, what what's that trip like when you when you head over? Certainly, I try, I try to get back as much as I can. I was at the Swansea game um, opening day this this year, which was obviously um, pretty dull. But uh, I think um, I mean for me, it's an hour on an aeroplane. It's really not that bad. The, the the biggest issue I have is that obviously, like a lot of fans that are trying to travel to watch Saints, is the um, the frustrations around television these days. I mean, you, the, the fixture list comes out and you think, right, I'm going to pick a game, hypothetically, Leicester end November, that's a game I'm going to go to. But you, you can't really book flights and travel and things like that for, for you know, maybe a month before the game because Sky or people like that suddenly decide that they're going to move the game to a Monday or something like that. So it um, that's been one of the sort of frustrations, I think, of being in the Premier League is that, you know, when you're in League One, the, the fixture list came out. That was the fixture list. You knew that you were going to be going to Carlisle on the 23rd of October or something like that. Uh-huh. So the, the biggest issue I have is that, you know, the cost obviously goes up in that time. So, you, you, you know, you could book a flight maybe three months before, whereas if you're having to wait to three, four weeks before the, the actual fixture... The, the travel is a lot more expensive so I don't get to go as much as I, I maybe want to I've got two little kids as well so I obviously want to to spend time with them but look I mean it's an hour on the aeroplane it's great great to catch up with all my friends down there my my brother and my dad both got season tickets so they go every week as well so look I, I try to get down as much as I can but the good thing about um, you know being in the top division these days is you can generally find some form of 
um, compliant or uncompliant link to watch the game on these days anyway. So, uh, so yeah, so, I mean, I don't miss any of the games. Um, all I miss is obviously the sort of social element and the atmosphere of uh, St. Mary's really. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I've, I've talked to people before. It's kind of difficult to, to be, have a, a lot of camaraderie on the West coast because most games kick off at 7 a.m. So, you know, there's like, <laughs> I know there's at least four or five of us all the way up and down the coast that are up watching because, you know, we get messages and you see tweets and stuff, but you know, if uh, half the time at kickoff, if I take a picture outside, it's still pretty dark and, and too early to have a, have a pint. So that, that <laughs> But but just kind of what we wanted to do here is uh, it was a good chance to, to talk with you and, and just get your ideas on the transfer window. So uh, looking to get like a, a little bit of a grade for for the club or for the board uh, based on their business and, uh, you know, just A through F, where would you give it? And then kind of what when you what criteria went into that uh, as you made that decision? Yeah, fair enough. Look, I, I, I tried to be positive through the whole um, sort of process, really. I mean, I, I think there's some fans that are I said I used the word the other day, a fantasist in, in terms of the money we should be spending, the players we should be signing, you know, you names pulled left, right and centre. I mean, I re- reflecting on it, I think I appreciate and have always appreciated that, that we're trying to run a sustainable football club here. So it's not about spending hundreds of millions of pounds. We're never going to do that. Grade-wise, Matt, I mean, I, I, I was trying to be positive. So I thought rather than going C+, I would go B-. Okay. So I've got I've gone B-. And the reason for that is, look, we've we've made two decent signings. Um, Wesley Hoyt's obviously come in from Lazio. Uh, Mary um, Lamina's come in from uh, Juventus. Obviously, they're both settling in and will take time to get up to speed. But Lamina was a record signing, so we've broken our um, you know our transfer budget again um, this season. Broken our transfer record, sorry. So we we are spending money. I mean, obviously, some some fans want to see us spending thirty, forty million pounds. That's never going to happen. So. I think we have to be realistic. The issue, and I've seen this mentioned a lot within Saints fans, and I totally agree, and I've said this on my podcast, is around goals. And I still feel, um, from a negative point of view, that we didn't deal with the attacking midfielder position that we needed. You know, someone in in the hole, potentially someone that can score 10, 15 goals from midfield and and such like so. I think there there is uh, a gap there that we missed. I I think I heard, um, you know, we were trying to get... uh, Veto in or Vieto in from uh, from Spain quite quite late in the day, but it didn't quite happen. So I don't think there was any doubt that they were looking for players. Um, I think we were obviously linked with Patrick Roberts as well, who eventually went to Celtic. So I, I I don't think it was a case that they weren't looking for attacking midfielders, but I think it was just that they couldn't do the right deal within the timescales. Again, that's fair enough. If they if they're being charged ridiculous money on wages or agents fees or whatever to get someone in the door, then they're never going to do that anyway. So. It's not like we haven't got attacking midfield players, but for me, that's still a niggling gap. You know, you look at the Bufels and the Tadiches who right. aren't really delivering at the moment. That's still something that I think we could have done with. Um, and the final thing I'd say is my understanding was, um, as of three, four weeks ago, that the whole strategy around our strike force was that Jay Rodriguez had been moved on. I agreed with that decision. I think he needed a fresh challenge. And the whole point of giving Sam Gallagher a new contract was that he was going to be our fourth striker and a chance to actually put some pressure on Shane Long, Gabbiadini and Charlie Austin. Uh-huh. And suddenly we've suddenly we've shipped him out now as well. So we're now back to being left with the three strikers that we had last season who, between them, didn't do very well in terms of goals. And I, I wonder if we're going to have the same challenges now up until January of trying to stick the ball in the net. I mean, we've played four games this season already and we've not scored in three of them. So that's an issue that I don't think has been dealt with. So, look, being positive... You know, I don't necessarily want to dwell on the, the Virgil van Dijk situation. We may speak about that in a minute. But in terms of ins and outs, I think we've done okay. Could we have done more? Yes. Could we have done worse? Probably. So all in all, B minus. 
I think I think that's totally fair. And it, definitely that that attacking midfielder role, we don't have a whole lot of goals coming from midfield. It seems like it's they're few and far between. And if the strikers can't get it done, then we have to we we have to worry. And I kind of believe that that Tadic can do a lot better than than he did last year. But I keep saying that, but unless he starts to deliver, then I I have I eventually have to kind of go, well, maybe maybe I'm wrong in that assessment. And maybe he maybe he overperformed a few years for a few years and now he's kind of regressing back to to where he is. But uh, I still like to believe that he is he is good enough to to get it done. So hopefully. And and I think like what you said about about Gallagher is him moving on and going on loan. I think that does show that they were probably looking elsewhere and thought they were pretty close if they're going to allow him to to move on and, and leave us with two strikers who struggled with injury last year and then Shane Long, who is um, you know mostly pace and you know getting older. So I we could be in trouble, but I like to I like to hope that we're we're going to be okay. The, the, the thing is, you, you know, they are well renowned for being a club that, that plans very well. They got Wesley Hope in from Lazio on the proviso that if they kept Van Dyke or if they lost him, they still had someone at positions. So, right. you know, we got, we got caught out at the start of the year when we sold Fonte and then didn't replace him and had to panic into getting Martin Casiris in. So I, I'm surprised that they would have let Gallagher go without having someone to, to come in and they may well have felt that they were close. I mean, again, I won't mention names, but. I've heard of a couple of players that they thought they were very close to signing that then went elsewhere um, this summer. That may have been the case again. So I'd be surprised if Saints hadn't planned for someone to come in before Gallagher went. What what happened with that? Your your guess is as good as mine. But right. it's certainly a gap there. I think that we all agree, you know, has put the pressure back onto those three strikers to now deliver. Yeah. And looking at the VVD situation, just, I mean, we've, it's been discussed over and over and over and, and with other guests for this week too. Um, but how much of that, how much of us retaining Van Dyke uh, went into your kind of grade, be it positive or negative? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a positive. Look, I mean, my, my view is, as I said this on my podcast recently, in the nicest way, I don't really care if Virgil Van Dyke doesn't pull on a Saints shirt again. I, I find it very hard to believe that um, that won't happen now. I, I think the fact he is staying... I can't imagine for a minute now that he is not going to, to sort of think, right, if I want to get a move to a, a club, arguably a club better than, than Liverpool, more successful than Liverpool, then I need to get my head down. I need to get back on the pitch. I need to, to start performing again. F- football fans, I mean, I, I've seen the likes of Matt Letizia say it on, on Twitter, Matt, and he's right. I mean, football fans are pretty vain. I mean, we, we love a boo, but we love a cheer as well. And if he gets out there with a shirt on, starts performing again, fans are quickly going to forget what's happened. Whether that, you know, I think he's been poorly advised. He's obviously at any point he could have stopped that process if he really wanted to. So I don't think any of us doubt he wanted a move. But the fact is, it didn't happen. In terms of going back to the grade, look, I've, I've tweeted recently saying that I'm proud of how Saints have dealt with it. I'm, I'm absolutely proud of that. For me, it was probably one of the pinnacle moments in our sort of recent history about not letting player power and agent power win. Because if we'd said, look, fine, okay, yeah, we've had enough, off you go. I mean, what what message would that have sent to uh, you know any other player in this window or uh, January or next season? They they would have known exactly what to do to throw the toys out the pram, go on strike, refuse to train, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and they get their moves. So look, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens the next um, couple of weeks in terms of Van Dyke coming back, whether he comes back, whether he decides he's still not mentally right. But in terms of the way the club have dealt with it, for me, I think Lesley deserves a heck of a lot of credit this summer. I, I know for a fact, and it's not, you know, Adam hasn't told me, I, I mean, I've heard through various channels that he's put a lot of blood, sweat and tears in, into fighting with the agent, fighting with Liverpool, fighting with the Premier League. So I think, um, you know, he deserves an awful lot of credit personally for the way that he's he's battled for our club. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's ultimately what we want. And sometimes I think because we don't do things out in the open, the fans don't don't know that, they don't see that. 
and and they they can get on him a little bit and sometimes i think sometimes i think it's unfair but you know it is what it is and and thankfully he was able to you know it all i think it all worked out for the best for us i think we have van dyke and if he comes back and and puts a shirt on and plays well uh like you said i think the fans will kind of get behind him i think initially there'll be some booze but if he if he plays well if he if he's the van dyke of of a year year and a half ago I, I think all is, is forgiven, um, at least while he's out there on the pitch and, you know, afterwards and maybe after the season, then, then, you know, maybe, maybe opinions will change and form over time. But, uh, I think that's where we're at right now. Um, do you see us making additions to the squad in, in January to kind of improve that, that B minus grade, uh, whether it be at the attacking midfield position or the striker position, or do you think we're going to maybe wait and see, or what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Historically, they've, they've always made a point of saying that they're not a club that would suddenly shell out 30 million in January because they're desperate, you know, that they always think about forward planning and they want to get their players in in the summer and then have them all the way through to the season. I mean, you look at last season, they signed Gabbiadini in January for that exact reason that they were struggling for goals. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I really like Gabbiadini. I think he's an excellent player. I think, you know, a lot of the, the frustration that we suffer as fans is some of the service he gets and some of the balls he's, he, he's, he's delivered are just don't play to the to his strengths at all. So I, I think we have to obviously see how things go. I mean, you mentioned there about Tadic. Uh, for me, you know, players like him are, are confidence players. If, if, if it starts going wrong, they lose that confidence. They The fans get on their back, you know, and it just doesn't help the situation. So for me, players like Tadic and Steve Davis need to have a better season than he did last season. Buffel needs to try and put pressure on Tadic to get into the team. Well, Prowse needs to score more goals. Um, you, you know, all of those sort of players in and around um, the strikers need to do more. Now, if they if they can do that over the next three, four months, then obviously we're not going to improve in January. But I, I think it's naive to sort of think that if we weren't, if, if we were trying to sign players as as of, you know, the close of the window in January, we, um, sorry, in, in August just gone, then we are still going to be looking to, to do that in January. So, I think for me, they will have their eye on a few players. Whether they can get the deals done in January, you, you know, it's well known that you tend to to have to spend a bit more money than you want to. But right. I, I think it's going to be a case of seeing how the next few months go. I, I think we're all a little nervous again that we're we are where we were 12 months ago in terms of where the goal's going to come from. So at the moment, I would say let's see how it goes. They may well invest in January, but if they have a really good three four months now and everyone gels and suddenly. Tadic is firing goals in and Buffal is and Long is and such like, then they're obviously not going to spend money for the sake of it. So, right. uh, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. But at the moment, I would say they're obviously happy with what they've got. Yeah. All right. I think that, I think that, I mean, that does it for, for my kind of questions and things like that, unless you have uh, another point you'd like to add. Not at all. Not at all. All right. Uh, well, have a good night and uh, I'm going to go get in the pool because it's hot. Yeah. I was going to say, enjoy the swimming pool. See you later, mate. Uh, all right. See you later. Bye-bye. And that was Ben Stanfield. Once again, if you don't follow him on Twitter, you can do that at Ben Stanners and you can keep in touch with his podcast on Twitter at Total Saints Pod. Uh, special thanks to Ben for uh, being willing to chat with me, uh, taking the time out of his, his Sunday evening to do that. Uh, and special thanks to all of the guests who appeared on today's show for at some point this weekend, um, sitting down and communicating with me, whether you were in the middle of cooking lunch or getting ready for your kids to go back to school or just trying to stay out of, uh, uh, of the weather. What, whatever you were doing, thank you for, for doing that. I really do appreciate it. And without you guys coming on and doing that, then the show wouldn't be uh, happening. I would I wouldn't do it without uh, the guests that come on each and every week. So, thank you to you to you guys, and thank you to 
uh, all the listeners out there for um, taking the time to download and subscribe. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, any feedback you have is always welcome. Uh, I look forward to hearing it. And if you don't follow the show on Twitter, maybe this is your first time listening. You can follow the show at SFCDELL underscore IVERY. And we're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFCDelivery. There's no underscore in the Facebook address. And if you haven't subscribed to our feed yet, you can do that on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever else you get your podcast. Uh, do that so you do not miss an episode. The next time you hear from me, we will be back with another guest to talk about another game. Southampton hosts Watford next weekend. The international break is almost over. Uh, we are very much looking forward to that. Hopefully we can continue to move forward. So uh, with all of that being said, special thanks again to everybody who joined the show, everybody who listened. Uh, any feedback you have, we'll take it. And uh, if you like the show, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, that really helps other people find out about the show. Uh, and it really is nice to, to hear nice things about uh, the work that uh, goes into these. So with all that being said, until next time, remember that together we march on. <laughs>